Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. You know, I have been sharing a series called The Priesthood of Jesus. And uh, in this series, we've been uh, we've been dealing with some things, that, you know, and, and something happened this week that I... You know, a lot of times um, people have questions about things that I teach, but they never ask them. And so, uh, you know, I, I love it when you ask me questions about what I teach. I don't take that as a challenge uh, and, and in, the, in the sense that you're challenging me as, you know, and... and uh, I, now, now, there's a difference. There's a difference in people that come with an arrogant, know-it-all attitude, and, uh, and and you know, and they are, you know, it is an an affront. Uh, but then there are other people that come with sincere, genuine questions, and uh, the reason they come and they they ask those questions is because they truly want to know the answer. And I love that because that tells me two things. That tells me, first of all, you paid attention to what I taught. Secondly, it tells me that, uh, that you actually want to learn something. You didn't just blow it off and forget about it as soon as you walked out the door. And, and so, um, you know, I, so I love it when people come to me and say, well, Pastor, I didn't understand this, or, you know, I, I kind of don't see it that way. Now, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, some people, some people don't know how to ask questions. Some people come and ask, ask questions as in a, um, you know, I disagree with you, and you better do it my way, or I'm going to be mad, and, you know, that, that, but, but the question that, that I was asked this week about uh, this series and what I've been sharing on actually brought up some things that I had not thought about. And, uh, you know, and that's great when you think about something that I hadn't thought about. And uh, then I've got to go find the answer. Well, where does the teacher go to find the answer? Well, the teacher goes to the Word of God and Holy Spirit to find the answer. And, uh, you know, those of you have been, who have been around here a long time, the, the, the newer ones that, uh, that are here, you won't, you won't really fully appreciate this, but those of you who have been around here for, for quite some time, you'll know that 
about seven, eight years ago, something like that, that uh, the Lord started teaching me something and took me in a different direction. And uh, um, I was in the desert praying, and uh, I was praying. It was in the month of December, and I was praying about the upcoming year. And the Lord said to me, I want you to teach more grace. Okay? I thought, well, I can do that. All right, you know, I can do some. And I thought I had a good understanding of grace until I started preparing to teach it. And when I started preparing to teach it, I began to realize that I really didn't have a very good grasp on, on grace and didn't have a very good understanding of it. And I had to stand in my own, you know, in my own house, in my own pulpit and say, I've been wrong. And, uh, you know, I've taught some things wrong, not, not, you know, I didn't teach everything wrong. I taught some things wrong, okay, and, and had a misunderstanding of, of some things. And uh, so, you know, it was a, it's a very humbling experience for a pastor to have to do that. Um, you know, all, there's all kinds of, of fearful thoughts going through your mind of, well, people are gonna people are gonna leave because you know. Well, if he doesn't know what he's talking about, then I guess I'm gonna I'm just gonna go find another pastor who does. And uh, well, let me tell you, you won't find another pastor who who doesn't need to learn something too. Okay, uh, but uh, you know, I uh, to stand in front of my congregation that I've been pastoring for years. And say I've taught you some things wrong, and uh, you know what I found out was now there have been some people that have disagreed with what I uh, began to teach, and that's okay. But I, I I believe that I gained the respect of people by acknowledging that I didn't know it all. And you know what? I've learned a, I've learned more in the last seven, eight years, uh, you know, than probably the rest of my Christian life all put together. And uh, as I've as I've learned these things, the more I learn, the more I realize that I still have more to learn. Okay, so that experience of of standing before you and saying I've been wrong was probably not a one-time experience. It's probably probably going to happen again, you know, because I still don't know it all. Uh, but I'm learning some things, and uh, you know, sometimes there are just questions that you hadn't thought of. One thing I had to do when I began to teach this grace, this gospel of grace, is I had to realize that, um, you know. All of these things, I, I started going back through old sermon notes and pulling out sermon notes and looking at them and saying, okay, how does this fit? How can it be? See, I've got to be consistent. I can't be all over the map. I, and, and I knew that if I made a decision to go down this road to teach and preach the gospel of grace, I knew that I had to be consistent and I had to go all the way down this road and not just part way, and not just, uh, you know, I had to be consistent. 
I, I couldn't be scattered all over the place. And so that is what I've endeavored to do. And everything I look at since that time, I've begun to look at it and say, how is this consistent with what I've, uh, with the gospel of grace? If it's not, uh, or maybe it's not that it's not consistent, maybe it's just that I can't see that it is. And if I can't see that it is, then I've got to set it up here, and I've got to, uh, uh, you know, not just forget about it, but there have been things that I've had to set aside for a time, and then one day the light comes on, and I say, oh, okay, that's how that fits. That's how that works. And, uh, and so, you know, with the... The question that was asked of me this week, um, you know, I, I had to go back and I had to look and I had to say, okay, what's, what's, the, um, what's the consistent answer to this? And, you know, the, the question in, in, in quite simple terms is this. If we are in Christ, which we are, then... Does that mean that, you know, I've been teaching on the priesthood of Jesus, and if I am in Christ, then do I need a priest, or do I need a covenant with God uh, if I'm in Him? And uh, it would take me a considerable amount of time to, to explain that question, but I, I knew, you know... Uh, so I'm just going to start from the beginning and, and get into this. And then, uh, like I said, I know that I will not finish it. Um, but let's look at, at uh, Galatians. That's, I'm in the wrong place. I'm, on the, I'm still on the baby dedication notes. And that will not work for this. Okay. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 11, it says, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. Now, you need to go back and listen to my previous two messages on this subject because we, we don't have time to go back and rehash everything we've already taught. Okay? So go back and listen to those about that Jesus was became a priest after the order of Melchizedek. The Levitical priesthood was uh, the offspring of Aaron, and the, Le the Levitical priest would serve and then die, and another priest would take his place, and he would die, and then another priest, and, and so on. And the priesthood was according to the law, but 
the Melchizedek priesthood because Melchizedek, there's no record of a beginning of days or an end of days. And so Jesus became a priest after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of, of Aaron and, uh, or of the Levitical priesthood. And so um, he says he is a priest according, not according to the law, but according to the, the power of an endless life. Praise God. Because he is a priest forever by the power of an endless life. Now, the question came up, and, and uh, you know, in, in a discussion about this, was the book of Hebrews written to the Jews? Um. And as I begin to think about that, okay, Hebrews, well, the Jewish people were primarily Hebrew people. Uh, but the, the answer to that one is very simply this. The name of the book is not Jews, it's Hebrews. Okay, not all Hebrews are Jews. Uh, and the, the primary theme of the book of Hebrews is is not I mean it, it deals with the Levitical priesthood and the law, but the reason it is is because it is talking to the Hebrew people who predominantly were Jews, and therefore Paul is saying, you know, uh, you're not under that anymore. You are not under the Jewish religion anymore, the Jewish faith anymore, but now you are in Christ. And uh, uh, so it's talking to Hebrew people, not Jews specifically, although pretty much uh, the same people, but not on the basis of the fact that they're Jews, but more on the basis that they are Hebrews, the offspring of Abraham. Now, if we go back to the 15th chapter of Genesis, we find that God made a covenant 430 years before the law. So, therefore, what, what happened between God and Abraham has nothing to do with the Jewish religion. Has nothing to do with being Jewish, but it has to do with the fact that this is Abraham and his descendants. Now, in the fifteenth chapter of Genesis, and I encourage you to read the fifteenth chapter of Genesis for yourself, and you will see a story there that, unless you have some information, you might not even understand it. But once you begin to to uh, to understand what is happening there, and I'm going to uh, attempt to give you a brief overview of that. But God, uh, Abraham had a vision. God takes him outside at night in this vision, and he tells him, you look up into the sky, and you count the stars of the heaven if you're able to. And as the stars of the heaven, so will your descendants be. Uh, 
in the 22nd chapter of Genesis and also in the 32nd chapter of Genesis, God gives him another uh, image of his descendants. And there he talks about counting the grains of sand on the seashore. And if you can count the grains of sand on the seashore, so shall your descendants be. Now, why did God give him a image of the stars in the heaven and an image of the sand on the seashore? Was he talking, was he saying the same thing twice? No, he was not. The reason he gave him the sand on the seashore is because he would have a natural offspring, but he would also have a heavenly offspring, thus the stars in the heavens. So, but um, both would be the offspring of Abraham. And then he, he takes Abraham, and it, the Bible says that a deep sleep fell upon him. God, had, uh, God told him, he said, you bring me these animals uh, for, for an animal sacrifice. And he took those animals, and he divided them into, and he laid out the pieces. And he laid out the pieces. Now, this is, a, this is a covenant ritual is what's taking place right here. And, and as you read it there in the 15th chapter of Genesis, this is a covenant ritual that's taking place. They laid out, they cut the animals in half, laid them out, and then they passed, the, the, the ritual was that they would pass between those pieces, the two parties that were entering into a covenant. And so as... Um, Abraham lays out the pieces of the, of the sacrifice offering there. Um, the Bible says that a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And as he was in this deep sleep, a burning torch and a smoking oven passed between the pieces. Now, what's that all about? The burning torch, the smoking oven that are passing between the pieces are actually God the Father and God the Word, who we came to know when He was born in Bethlehem. We came to know Him as Jesus. Praise God. So Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus, and Father God passed between the pieces. Now, in ancient uh, times, when a covenant was cut, a surrogate could stand in the place of one of the persons that was uh, entering into the covenant. So literally, God wanted to cut a covenant with Abraham, but he wanted to cut a covenant that could not be messed up. And so what he did was he took Abraham out of the picture and God the Word stepped in and filled his place in the covenant. So the covenant literally was cut between God the Father and God the Word who passed between the pieces and therefore it was assured that this covenant would not fail this covenant would not be messed up. This covenant could not fail. It was an, an everlasting covenant. Abraham was a recipient 
because it was done on his behalf. But it was done through God the Father and God the Word who cannot fail. Praise God. Now, later on we see this. Let me, let me just get back into, into some scriptures here. Praise God. In, uh, uh, in Luke chapter, uh, that's not what I want. Let me jump on a little bit further down here, find what I want. Um, okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 11. It says, therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands. All right, now we're going to go through this slowly. So notice he talks about Gentiles in the flesh. Now, unless you are um, a of Hebrew descent, then that means you are a Gentile. Okay, so, um, you know, I'm a Gentile according to the flesh. All right? And uh, you probably, I, I am unaware if there is anyone in, in, in the congregation here today, probably so on, online, but, uh, but I'm aware, unaware of anyone in the congregation who would fit into the category of being a Hebrew according to the flesh. Uh, so, just for sake of, 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 of communication and making it simpler, uh, today I'm going to say we're all Gentiles according to the flesh. All right, so here we go. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcision. Now, the sign of the covenant with Abraham was circumcision. Okay? So that's why he calls those who are Gentiles of the uncircumcision. Okay? So, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. So in other words, those that were the offspring of Abraham according to the flesh were circumcised, and therefore they referred to those who were not, uh, uh, who, were, who were Gentiles in the flesh. They referred to them as the uncircumcision. So that's what he's telling us here. Then he says that at that time you were without Christ. So, notice, notice two things that he says here. You were once Gentiles in the flesh. So, that implies that something changed. And then he goes on and he says that at that time you were without Christ. That also implies that something changed. Okay? Then he goes on and he says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers. Now, Israel, by the way, Israel was um, uh, the grandson of Abraham. All right? There was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob, after he encountered the Lord, he received a covenant name, which was Israel. So Israel is the uh, is 
Jacob uh, after his encounter with the Lord. So, So notice here, he goes on and he says, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, from all of the promises that were made to Israel, all of the promises that were made to the offspring of Abraham. He says, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having, now, now when you're a, a, a stranger to the covenant, notice what he says, you have no hope and you are without God in the world. Now, let's go on. Ephesians chapter 2, let's look at verse number 13. It says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were, who once were, far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So these promises that we were alien to, that we are, were estranged from, these promises, they, they were not ours as long as we were not participants or, or recipients of the, the blessing of the covenant. But he says, now we have been brought near. We once were, but now we have been brought near. How were we brought near? We were brought near by the blood of Christ. Brought near by the blood of Christ. So in other words, this covenant was made, but we, now remember, it's not made according to the law. This was 430 years before the law. The law didn't even exist at this time. This is a covenant with Abraham and his offspring. And we were brought into that covenant by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself, Christ himself, is our peace. And notice this, who has made both, both, who's, who's the both here? Those that were the offspring of Abraham, those who were the, the participants in the covenant, and those who were not, those who were, who were Gentiles in the flesh. He says they have both... Um, he made both one. He made both one. Now, he didn't make those of the circumcision uncircumcised, no. He made those who are uncircumcised circumcised. All right, so he, he took us who were Gentiles according to the flesh, we were Gentiles. He brought us in is what he did. Praise God. Praise God. Now, once again, we're not talking about Jews here because there were no Jews yet. Okay? Um, so he says, For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, now we've come into the law. 
We've come into the commandments because he says that uh, uh, he has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man. So in other words, there was a separation. God says, I don't want a separation. I want one new man. So there is a new uh, creation. There is a new generation of, of, of people, a new, let me say it this way, a new race of people. There is a new race of people in the earth today. He took the Hebrew, he took the offspring according to the flesh, and he brought in the Gentile, and between the two, he made a new race of people. All right, now, let's go on. The Jews, see, here's, what some, here's the mistake that some people make. There are some that believe that the Jews will be saved some other way besides the way we're saved. You know, there, there are some that have actually taught that the Jews will be saved some other way other than through Christ. That they'll be saved through keeping the law and, you know, all of this kind of thing. But um, let, me, let me show you this. In John chapter 14, verse number 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way. There's one way. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when he says no one comes to the Father, that doesn't matter if you're a Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. There's one way, which is Jesus. Praise God. John chapter 3, verse number 3, says, Jesus answered and said to him, to Nicodemus, said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there is only one way. You must be born again. He goes on to say this. He says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So you must, regardless of who you are, Jew or Gentile, you must be born again. Now, the only way you can get born again is by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you get born again. So, he said, so when Jesus said, I am the way, he is saying to both Jew and Gentile, you must be born again. There's not two ways. There's one way. 
and that is Jesus. Now, in Romans chapter 3, verse number 21, it says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Notice what he said. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. No other way. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. To all and on all who believe for, notice these words right here, for there is no difference. There is no difference. So, um, if you, you know, for, for those who say that there is a different way for the Jew, I, I have to say they're wrong. There's only one way, which is Jesus. You know, I, I love them. Jesus loves them. Jesus wants them to be saved. But they're gonna be, if they're going to be saved, they're going to be saved through Jesus. No other way. Now, in Romans chapter 3, verse number 29. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. So both are saved the same way. Praise God. Now, Jews, practicing Jews, let me just say this, uh, you know, they can practice the law all they want to, and it will never save them. Okay? The gospel, the Bible tells us this, the gospel is to the Jew first. Now, there was, a, there was a covenant relationship. Yes, there was a special covenant relationship between God and the Jews. Because the Jewish, uh, the Jewish people is the lineage through which Jesus came into the earth. Jesus was born on this earth, born under the law. He ministered here under the law. Much of what Jesus said was said to people under the law. But Jesus didn't come just as a minister of the law. Jesus came to introduce us to what was to come, to a new relationship between God and man to this new man that would be created out of the two and that the wall of separation would be torn down now Galatians chapter 3 verse number um, verse number 16 now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made all right, so who was the seed made, or, or who were the promises made to? Just read it. Abraham and his seed. 
Is the word seed singular or plural? It's singular in, in the grammatical sense. All right? He says, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, plural. He said, to Abraham and his seed, as many, as of many, but as one. And to your seed, he, now he tells us who the seed is. The seed is is Christ. That's what he says. The seed is Christ. Now, let's jump ahead to the 28th verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, that's that is talking about those who are in Christ Jesus. That's not saying all people. That's saying all those who are in Christ Jesus are one. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. Notice he said the, the covenant was made between Abraham and his seed singular which is Christ and if you are in Christ then you are an heir praise God you are an heir according to the promise because you have become one with Christ now um so if something is written to the Hebrews and it is the Hebrews way of salvation then it is also my way of salvation because there's only one way of salvation okay now here's what I want you to understand Jesus became a priest after the order of Melchizedek we only find that written in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. And if you believe that Hebrews was written to Jews, then you miss this. But Hebrews was written to Hebrews, not Jews. And if you are in Christ, see, then that means it applies to you too. Do we have a high priest? And if we do, what is our high priest doing? What is his responsibilities? Well, here's the thing. He entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven with a sacrifice. Just like the priests here on this earth under the, under the law, they entered into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle on earth with the blood of a bull or a goat they entered into the tabernacle entered into the holy of holies offered the blood of the bull or the goat 
the sacrifice animal. They offered it on the altar, on the mercy seat of God in the Holy of Holies. Jesus, being a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, he did the same thing, except instead of entering a Holy of Holies on earth, he entered the true Holy of Holies in heaven. And he entered there just like the priests here entered in with the blood of a bull or a goat, except the difference is he became the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. And when he entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven, he is carrying the blood of a lamb, but he's the lamb. He's carrying his own blood, and he offers it on the true mercy seat of God in heaven. Praise God. And here's the thing. The blood of a bull or a goat could only cover the sin of the people. The blood of Jesus could take away the sin of the people. The blood of the bulls or goats had to be offered every year. In fact, the priest stood daily, the Bible says, offering sacrifices. Daily offering sacrifices. First, for their own sin. Jesus didn't have any sin. He didn't need to offer sacrifices for his own sin. The priest here on this earth entered in offering the blood of a bull or a goat for his own sins first, and then he was qualified to offer the sacrifice, the blood of a bull or a goat, on behalf of the people. But because the blood of the bull or goat was not the perfect sacrifice, it could only temporarily cover the sins of the people and had to be done over and over and over and over and over again. Our high priest, Jesus, I'm speaking in the past tense here, he entered into the holy place in heaven, the holy of holies in heaven. He entered there once with the blood of one sacrifice, which was enough for all people for all time. Now, what he did, he offered this blood there. The blood of Jesus was accepted on your behalf even though you were not even born yet. It was accepted on your behalf and it never, ever, ever needs to be offered again. So what did he do? Once he had entered in with his own blood, offered it on the mercy seat of God in heaven. Now, remember, at the time he did that, you weren't in Christ. All right? He entered in and he offered the blood on the mercy seat of God in heaven, and then he sat down. Now, if you study the tabernacle, the holy of holies on earth, the earthly holy of holies, there was no place to sit. There was no chair. There was no throne. There was, there was no place to sit. But in heaven, there is a throne. In the holy of holies in heaven, there is a throne, and it is called the throne of grace. Jesus 
having offered the final, and I emphasize final, sacrifice. He is not standing in the presence of God offering sacrifices for you over and over and over and over and over again. He entered in one sacrifice. He'll never offer not another single drop of blood. He will never shed another drop of blood, and he will never offer another sacrifice on your behalf because the one that he has already offered is enough for all time. So having offered that sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And there, is he still a priest? Of course he's still a priest because it says... after the order of Melchizedek, which is a priest forever. Forever means still, right? And it'll still be still tomorrow. Praise God. He offered, uh, or he became a priest. Now, just because, let's say, let's go back under the old covenant for just a moment in in, in our mind. The priest enters in and he offers the blood of a bull or a goat. Then he exits the Holy of Holies. Is he still a priest? Yes, he's still a priest. He's still a priest, and he'll come back next year and offer sacrifices again and leave again, and he's still a priest. He comes in again the next year and offers sacrifices again. But you see, Jesus... He entered in one time after he finished offering the sacrifice of his own blood. He's finished. He sat down. Is he still a priest? Yes, he's still a priest. And is he your priest? If he was your priest to start with, he's still your priest. But just because he's still your priest, his sacrifice that he offered stands. He doesn't need to offer another sacrifice. The sacrifice he has already offered stands. And he is the mediator of a better covenant. You know, when, when we... John wrote this. In, in 1 John chapter 1, he says, If we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, he's talking about, you know, do uh, uh, if you acknowledge that you have sinned, then you have a sacrifice that has already been offered on your behalf. He doesn't need to now offer another one. The one he already offered was enough. So he is faithful because of the sacrifice he offered. He is justified because of what he's already offered in forgiving your sins and cleansing you from all unrighteousness. Praise God. So one sacrifice, this is what I want to get to. One sacrifice was enough. But because he has already offered it does not preclude him from being the mediator of the covenant. You see, when you come before God, you come before the throne of grace. Father God says, 
looks at Jesus, Jesus was the sacrifice. So on the basis of, now, I'm not saying that he has to stand there and plead with God on your behalf. No. Father knows that you're in him. So he doesn't have to stand before God and plead on your behalf. The plea's already been made. The blood's already been shed. The sacrifice has already been offered. It's already done. Jesus, the fact that he is sitting there and the fact that you are in him, therefore, you are accepted because he was accepted. Praise God. Praise God. Now, does that make any sense to anyone? All right. Praise God. Now, as I said, there is no way we're getting through all this. But I want you to understand, and, and that should give you great, great confidence. There's nothing left to do. Your priest, your high priest, is seated. He's still your high priest. And his priesthood stands. But his priesthood stands completed. Praise God. Nothing left to do. So, when you come to God with a need, there's no pleading that needs to take place. There's just receiving that needs to take place. Praise God. Praise God. You come into the presence of the Lord, whatever you're needing in your life today, whatever you're needing in your life today, receive from the Lord on the basis of the high priest that's seated right next to the Father. Praise God. At the Father's right hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why you can have great confidence. You see, one of the most important things you can get a hold of is it is finished. Because when you understand it is finished, I cannot say no to something I already finished. God doesn't have to evaluate you on a case-by-case basis. He doesn't have to evaluate your petition on a case-by-case basis. All that needs to be said is, it's finished. You're in Christ. It is finished. Praise God. And the Bible says you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only is Jesus seated right there, but if you have received Jesus as your Savior, now the only, the only high priestly duty that is yet to be performed is on behalf of those who have not received Jesus. They're not in Christ. And so the only high priestly duty is to receive them as they accept Jesus. You say, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid for my sins, rose again from the dead, and I choose Jesus as my Savior. That fast, you are in Christ. Praise God. And you are seated right there with the saints of all the ages in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Praise God. 
and on the basis of his blood, today, if you receive Jesus, you will be immersed into Christ. The Bible calls it baptized into Christ. You will be immersed into him. Now, when we have water baptism and we baptize someone in water, it's a picture of what takes place. When they go under the water, they're immersed into the water, and all the, I mean, theoretically, you can't, you can't see what's under the water. They are in the water. They've been immersed into the water. You have been immersed into Christ. And the moment that you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you are immersed into Him. Praise God. Never to be seen again. All we see from then on is Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Isn't that good news? Praise God. If you have never received Jesus, let's get you immersed into Christ right now. Let's do this. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So right now, if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, he's sitting there waiting for you to be immersed into him waiting for you to be baptized into him so just repeat this after me and the moment we say amen which means so be it the moment we say amen you will be in christ forever praise god just say this after me say god in heaven i thank you that you sent your son jesus to die on a cross for me to pay for my sins and then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Right now, I make my choice. I choose Jesus to be my Lord. Thank you for saving me. I believe I am now in him. I believe I'm saved. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you're in this room, in the back of the seat in front of you on the blue card, there's a place on that card, check, I choose Jesus. If you're watching online, there's a place there online for you to check that you choose Jesus. And if you do that, if you receive Jesus as your Savior today, go to our app, our Word of Life Carlsbad app, or to our website, W-O-L Carlsbad, and there is a book that's offered to you. It's called, I Choose Jesus. I, I wrote the book, but I Choose Jesus. You can download that book either in uh, iBook format or Kindle format. You can download that free of charge. Its purpose is to help you know what happened to you and what where do you go from here? Praise God. What do you do next? Praise God. That's, that's what it's for. So do that. Take advantage of that offer. Praise God. And I just want to thank you today for opening your heart to receive. Jesus said that the promise, that the Father has a promise for you now. We call it the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And it belongs to everyone who has believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. So 
you've done that, you're eligible to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do you receive that? I'm going to tell you how. Jesus said, everyone who asks, receives. So just simply say, Father, Jesus said, you have a gift for me. And he said, if I would ask you for it, I would receive it. So right now, I ask you for my gift for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for my gift. I receive him now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 